Welcome back, y'all, to episode 131 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast by informing as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Someone once said, all good things come to those who wait. And for those people who have always wondered about the JFK assassination, the CIA has released around 13,000 files released on JFK's assassination yesterday. And, you know, it was supposed to be released a few years back, but Trump waited as a result of a national security issue. And Joe Biden gave um, agencies until yesterday to kind of release the majority of the information. There's still about 515 files being held. Um, I read through some of these files today. And I'm going to go ahead and give you kind of like a little overview. I mean, I didn't read, obviously, 13,000, but even looking at some of the files that I just looked through um, shortly or through today, it's been it's been actually pretty interesting. So I'm going to get into that information. So looking at it first, like I read this stuff, and I'm like, man, could you imagine if you knew Lee Harvey Oswald? I mean, even if he, let's say he didn't assassinate JFK and we're being theoretical, um, the kid has always been, or the man was always obsessed with the concept of communism. Um, looking at some of the letters actually within these documents, there was a report written, report written about him. How as a young kid, around 14, he was reading a lot and he was really connecting with the message of Karl Marx, communism, things of that nature. So at a young age, he, he he'd even has piqued his interest from there. And as his career went on, he would um, join the Marine Corps, serve there, I think as a radar operative is what they said, or a radar operator. And from there, you know, whenever he he would be honorably discharged, and as most everybody knows, he would go live within the Soviet Union for three years and coming back to his hometown of Fort Worth, Texas, although he was originally born in New Orleans. Now, what's really interesting about some of the findings from the documents You know, he was married, he had a kid in Soviet Union, and he came back to Russia. I mean, even if you just knew him from his profile, it does look like he fits kind of that profile of being a lone wolf. Um, Someone who can work alone, operate alone, and be, some you know, put into different environments. Now, even when I just say that, you know, looking at the information and being like, well, he lived in the Soviet Union, you know, it's really interesting, I mean, to be a Marine, and the thing about the Marine Corps is they indoctrinate you a lot. There's a lot of stories and, and things, and at the height of this, there was a lot of issues within the Soviet Union, so it really makes you wonder why he would be there, you know, and looking over kind of the documents within the, the files, um, even looking over this information, it's, you know, one might say, well, maybe he was a plant. Maybe, you know, there was different aspects of it. And there's a few things coming up within it. There is something that might need a little bit more research called the RZ Rifle Program. And this program was taking foreign operatives and looking into them and potentially planting them throughout different nations. Now, it's pretty interesting that that's in there. 
The next thing we have is we have a lot of information actually on Lee Harvey Oswald. His first, kind of the first reports were written about him within the 60s, um, like in 1960. Like the fact that he defected to the Soviet Union was a really big deal because he was a Marine. So the CIA and a lot of the intelligence communities were aware of him from that point, which we really didn't know that they knew about him well, well in advance. The next thing is there's even a letter, a handwritten letter indicating from a man um, of Russian descent that he actually knew about the assassination attempt about two years prior. So indicating that it was already planned and there was things of that nature happening. Um, so that's only within the first few pages. So we're really starting to put together a pitch to be like, oh, leave Harald Oswald didn't come out of nowhere. You know, the CIA, the State Department, and a lot of different government entities were really aware of him because of the fact that he did have some peculiar behavior. Now, where it really starts to get interesting for me, um, despite all that being said, is you look through different documents and you start to see that Lee Harvey Oswald was very much, you know, there's documents indicating that he could have been part of the KGB. And they're saying that there's there's different sources that come in and say, yeah, he was a part of the KGB. He was even a um, Ukrainian source. But when you look through some of the information, people say, oh, this wasn't credible information or the intel wasn't there. Because a lot of it is being produced through human um, intelligence, which is the human intelligence interface where people are giving information. You're not really seeing, from what I've seen, like files or 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 documents being communicated for an example this is called SIGINT which is signal intelligence which is used for you know phone calls you know you think about the NSA using SIGINT when they're looking into your computers your phones or anything like that being able to track it well the way that they're really looking at Lee Harvey Oswald thus far is they're kind of doing a little trail of his interactions with embassies so for example he went to Mexico and while in Mexico, this is when he came back from living in the Soviet Union, he went on a trip to Mexico and he was going into the um, embassies really trying to get Soviet Union, um, get back within the Soviet Union, having communication with the Soviet Union while in Mexico City. So you see that he was in, he was in Mexico City and he was interacting um, with different aspects there and one thing that was really clear is during september and october of 1963 lee harvey oswald visited the soviet union embassy within mexico city he was trying to get a visa to return to the ussr now what's really interesting about that timeline we have september october 1963 okay what we would determine is that on november 21st 1963 jfk would be assassinated so we have some really interesting intent, and this is from a, a one of the documents I read, um, and it's talking about a potential KGB operative named Kostovich, um, and he was in Mexico City for about from 1963, I think, till 1971, and he was known for being almost a notorious, very dangerous KGB intelligent officer. Some of them are saying the most effective. So if Lee Harvey Oswald was visiting this man a month before the JFK assassination, I mean, this is coming out of the CIA reports. He had a love for the USSR. He married a Russian woman. 
you know, he also was very much intrigued with things going on in South America, in Cuba. Um, you're looking at that as like, you know, that's a really interesting piece of the puzzle to potentially provide motive for it. Um, for me, I mean, it's pretty crazy whenever you like, you were doing what? I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, how strange would it be during the time of the 60s to want to defect to the USSR? And even strangers going back and forth and, and being there. And I also found this letter and things in the CIA documents aren't so clear. I mean, some of them are screenshot redacted. But the thing that's really interesting for me right now is called Pedro Carlos's letter. Friend Lee, once again, I write you since the last time that we saw each other in Miami. You took the books in Spanish to the hotel and I hardly have any. I will tell you that the man plans to visit there soon and you should close the business as soon as possible as I told you beforehand in Miami. I recommend much prudence and do not do any madness with the silver I gave you. I trust you will not defraud me and that our dreams will be realized. After the business, I will recommend you highly to the chief who certainly will be very much interested in knowing you as the, they need men like you. I told him you could put out a candle at 50 meters and he did not believe me, but I made him believe because I saw you with my own eyes and the chief was astonished. Well, Lee, practice your Spanish well for when you come to Havana as this is the land of liberty, of beautiful women and rich Havana tobacco. Don't forget to do all that I told you to the letter and do not leave anything that can be traced, etc. And when you receive my letters, destroy them as always. After the business, I will send you silver and we shall see each other here in Miami at the usual place. Always sincerely, Pedro Charles. Now, after reading that, one might think this is a little bit of an encrypted letter. You know, what is the intention of it? Now, the thing that sticks out for me is the fact that he's referencing silver. Now, I do know, I don't know how true this is, but you think about during when we watched, whenever Narcos came out and they're talking a lot in Spanish to use the word silver, plata, as a way of money. So it's something that they could potentially have translated into English. Um, so this kind of tells us that more than likely the person writing this letter, English was not their first language. Now, the next thing that really sticks out is the fact he's talking about the chief. Who is the chief? You know, someone who obviously doesn't believe him. And you're really getting to a point whenever you look at, I told you you could put out a candle at 50 meters. Lee Harvey Oswald was known for being a really good shot. And if you could shoot a candle out at 50 meters, then you could definitely shoot anything. <laughs> I mean, that's not an easy shot. So... You're kind of looking at it too and talking about making sure everything is good, follow it to the letter, destroy anything. Um, and the you know, in those kind of things within the letter really stuck out to me. Out of everything I've read within multiple things, you know, it's been kind of crazy. And you look at the information about how he was going to Mexico, he was interacting with the Soviet Union embassy there through October. And then you have this letter being sent out the 10th of November. 
Now, why it was destroyed, I don't know. And there's some interesting and peculiar things about it. Because on the letter, it says Lee Harvey Oswell, mail office, Dallas, Texas. You're not getting a home address with it. So I don't really know how to interpret this letter. Because it's not like, I mean, if you look at it from what it says, it says that the FBI reported this letter and there was some information, but it doesn't give you an overview within the documents. It's just a piece of evidence. And it's not like this letter was found on this date, at this location, things like that. And another thing that's really interesting about it is the fact that there is a paper trail for potential influence. Now, I read another piece of intel that said that they didn't think Cuba was a part of the assassination because Fidel Castro came out a day or two later stating he didn't and they used, quote, he was a raging beast trying to articulate that. But from the information I've read in the, in the last, you know, looking over the last few sheets, it's very evident that the CIA was very well very well aware of Lee Harvey Oswald, get a lot of influence and tie to the USSR. He was going to Mexico to go to the embassy to interact with a potential intelligent agent who was in Mexico, considered to be one of the most dangerous of all time. And with a few weeks later, he was getting a letter telling him to meet him in Havana, Cuba and to cover up his tracks. I mean, I don't really know how, like, what information to say, but that's that's crazy. I mean, we're looking at the fact that there's a paper trail, there's influence, and he could potentially have been a KGB asset. Now, I looked at another piece of intel, or another piece of um, one of the files that indicated he wasn't, and the USSR would never act this way. So if you check the intent of it, you know, either one or two things happen. There was a cell group potentially within the KGB, that wasn't being operated through the full government and maybe they were working to create this kind of working to create this uh, assassination attempt the next thing is that you know more than likely he was he was affiliated with the KGB and the USSR there's no way you could go to Russia during this time they would have known he was a marine and live in the Soviet Union for three years in the KGB not to be aware of you so that is definitely for sure and the fact he came back with a wife. So, essentially, I was just trying to put out the information. I'll go through this more as more information is released. But I really just wanted to cover this letter because I thought it was probably one of the more interesting findings of these files. So, thank you guys for listening. And we'll get back to you tomorrow.